Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the College Age Movement podcast. We've been gone for a couple weeks due to a couple different events happening at College Age Movement, uh, but we're back. And this week, we're starting a new series entitled Core. And uh, it's, it's simply this, is that Faith Chapel, the church that we're a part of, has six core values. And so we're going to walk through those core values in a sermon series and uh, just talk through what they mean. And, and they can be kind of blanket statements. Um, they can be big thoughts that could cover so many different ways. You could probably spend a whole year walking through these six things. Um, but we want to kind of hone them in as much as possible and just have some conversations about what it means for us as followers of Jesus. So the first uh, core value that, Je- that Jesus has, that Faith Chapel has, is Jesus in everything. Jesus and everything. And uh, like I said, that that's a huge statement. Like we could go in a thousand different directions with that. But I, I want to talk about what it means for us as individuals and some ways that we can look like Jesus in the way that we live our lives and the way that we treat people. And so the first point is this, is Jesus in the way that we speak. Jesus in the way that we speak. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, if I'm being completely honest, uh, I wanted to stop studying for this sermon after the first verse that I started to research because I was just convicted immediately, and uh, being convicted is uncomfortable. Uh, But something that I want to clarify for just this podcast, if you're a part of College Age Movement on a weekly basis, is this, is that there's a complete and utter difference between conviction and guilt. Nothing that we talk about is ever meant to make someone feel guilty. It is meant to make us feel convicted because we aren't called to just stay the same. We're called to change and grow and become healthier human beings and, most importantly, healthier followers of Jesus. So I just want to clarify that as we walk into um, this. And I want to ask a couple questions when it comes to the way that we speak. Number one, are the words that I speak unwholesome? Unwholesome is defined as not characterized by or conducive to the health or moral well-being. In other words, are the words that I am speaking good for the health of myself? And are they good for the health of the people around me? That's a hard question. I think that as I look at my relationships and I look at the people that that I might not even consider myself in a relationship with, but people that I might just have a conversation with every once in a while, if I ask myself, are the words that are coming out of my out of my mouth beneficial or conducive to their health? I don't know that I could confidently say yes. And I think it's a challenge for us to be really intentional with the words that we use and So often we look at the health of the words that we speak by the actual words that we use. And like I shockingly don't have the perfect mouth and curse every once in a while. And I think that we all struggle with that on some level. But I think that we have kind of as a Christian culture started to focus more on the structure of the sentences that we use more than the content of the sentences we use. And I think that that we need to be so intentional in making sure that the content of what we say is the most important thing. That I've heard some terrible things and I have said some terrible things that didn't have one curse word in them. And it doesn't take that to say something that is unwholesome. It doesn't take that to say something that is not healthy or conducive to the moral well-being of others. And what we need to make sure that we are doing is that 
we have to look at the content of the words that we are using and make sure that they are beneficial and and full of health and life for people and for ourselves. If you have to curse to get a point across, it's probably not a point worth making. But also, we should not look at the content of something just by the fact that a curse word was in it. There can be good things said even with a curse word in them. Obviously, we need to work on cleaning up our, our mouths, but you can still speak life into someone. And if you accidentally let a, a curse word slip in this passionate speech to someone and to, to encourage them, I think that that's probably okay. But we have to make sure that the content of what we are speaking is wholesome. The second question that I want to ask is this, are the words that I speak building others up? Are the words that I speak building others up? We have such an incredible opportunity every single day to not only be better people, but to help others be better. And I think that we can look at this question, this question of do the words that I speak build others up in a, in a couple different ways. The first being this, is what I am saying directly to someone building them up? Like when we are looking someone in the eye and we are having a conversation with them, are the words that I am speaking building them up? Do they leave that conversation full? Do they f- leave that conversation feeling more empowered and strengthened by our words? Or do they feel like they've been torn down? And I think it's vitally important that we understand that we can even have hard conversations with people about really hard things, and we can make sure that when they leave that conversation, they feel built up. That when we talk to them about something that they may be doing wrong, whether it be in their vocation, maybe it be in relationships, whatever it may be, whatever your relationship with them is, you can still make sure that they feel built up and encouraged when they leave the conversation. And as followers of Jesus, we are never, ever meant to tear people down, that they should never leave a conversation with us leaving worse, feeling worse about themselves, but feeling much better about themselves and feeling like they can go and take on life. And secondly, this might be a harder question, is, the, is how I speak about someone building them up in the eyes of others. Is how I speak about someone building them up in the eyes of of other, others. I think we have become comfortable BSing people to their faces. I think our culture has appropriated it. I think that we have as well. I think that when we talk to other people, we can just blow smoke up their butts and, and pretend like everything's fine. But then the moment that we go and have a conversation about them to someone else, it's a completely different conversation. And that's terrifying to me. It's terrifying to me that we have appropriated a style of communication that would make somebody feel better to their face. But when we go talk about them to others, we are lessening them. We are decreasing their value in the eyes of other people. And there's no benefit to that. Like, I don't see, see the benefit of that to anyone who is speaking. The only benefit by cutting someone's leg out from under them is by getting a proverbial leg up on them in in a workplace and in school in a relationship like you want to go talk trash about this this guy or this girl so that this this other guy or this other girl thinks more of you like it just it just doesn't and i don't know of very many people that are impressed when we talk poorly about other people 
it's it's absolutely amazing to me that it's become countercultural to talk positively about someone who's not in the room. Like we are so comfortable talking positively about each other and, and really trying to raise each other's spirits when we're talking to our friends. But then we go talk to our other friends about that person that we were just talking to face to face. And all of a sudden it becomes negative. But if we were to walk into rooms and be like, hey, do you know this third party that's not even here? Like, I think they're an absolutely incredible person. We need to be the people that change that culture. That when we start, we start lifting others up, even when they're not in the room to hear it. Because it's important that we build others up, not only to their face, but in the eyes of other people. We would be such a benefit to one another if we did just that. And then the third question about how we speak are the words that I speak beneficial? Are the words that I speak beneficial? Now, I'm all for mindless chatter. I'm all for hanging out and not talking about anything deeply theological or anything crazy important. But we have to understand that the words that we speak the majority of the time are beneficial to someone in some way. Now, we can't become so rigid in our words that we fail to enjoy life. But even when we're just having fun, we can be encouraging. We can give advice. We can give knowledge and wisdom. And there's so much benefit to be found in that. And we have to make our conversations and the word that we, words that we speak beneficial to ourselves and to other people. I remember the first time that someone told me I had leadership potential. It was, it was a, a revolutionary moment in my life. It was a catalyst for a lot of things. And I so appreciated those, those words. But I was 15, and um, I took those words and started to go give a ton of advice and a ton of pointers. The problem was is that none of the advice that I was giving was being asked for. And I was just imparting this, what I thought was amazing wisdom onto people that they were like, please stop talking to us, Evan. Like, I just don't, I do not want this advice from you. I don't need a pointer from you. I don't need your relationship advice. I don't need theological advice. I don't need any kind of advice from you. In fact, you're five years younger than me. Please stop speaking. And I think that we start to do that. We start to throw out words and this, this idea of words being beneficial. We start to just be like, well, I'm going to give all the words that I have and they're all going to be a benefit to everyone because I'm a leader and I have value and I have influence. So I'm going to start just giving people all these beneficial things. And those are empty. I think we have to understand that there is a time to have those conversations and there's a time not to. We have to be able to confidently say that our words are usually beneficial and if we can't say that they're actually being beneficial and actually being asked for, we need to reassess the way that we enter into conversations and the way that we make sure that our words are just that beneficial to people. Now, Jesus didn't have every word that he spoke recorded in Scripture, but I think that we can confidently assume that even when he wasn't being quoted, he never tore anyone down or brought them to an unhealthy place. The words that he spoke were absolutely, unquestioningly beneficial. And there's so much benefit in joy, and there's so much benefit to be found in laughter and just good company. There's, there's all of those things. And it's vital that we understand that, that beneficial doesn't just mean me sitting down in front of you or you sitting down in, free, in front of me and just imparting these amazing words. But it's making sure that we don't have so many empty conversations that our words stop having value. 
we always have to make sure that our words hold value and that they're bringing value and benefit to the people in our lives. So the second point is this is we need to be Jesus in the way that we act. Jesus in the way that we act. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 6 simply says this, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. No pressure, right? Um, we are not Jesus and we never will be. But I think there's an incredible lesson to be learned from such a simple verse. You can fool people with your words, uh, but it is much harder to fool them with your actions. You can fool people with your words, but it is much harder to fool people with your actions. So when people look at the way we're living our lives, do they see the Jesus that we talk about? Do they see Jesus in the way that we treat others? Do they see Jesus in the way we treat ourselves? Do they see Jesus in the way that we use our time? When we preach Jesus and we, we preach this, this serving the poor and taking care of the widow and the orphan, do they actually see that in the way that, that we use our time and the way that we treat others? Like, Do they see Jesus in the way that we act? Do they see Jesus in the way that we use our resources? And your resources can be time, but they can obviously be money. They can be influence. Your resources are so expansive and, and we all have some sort of resource. But when people honestly look at our lives, do they see Jesus in the way that we treat people, the way that we treat ourselves, the way we use our time, and the way we use our resources? And if we can't confidently say yes, then we need to step back and we need to figure out how we make sure that Jesus is being seen in the way that we live. And it's not even something that is this is big, grandiose thing. It's simply living the life that God has called us to live. Action speak louder than words is overused for a reason because it's true. And we definitely, like we already talked about, need to make sure that we are so intentional with the words that we speak. But you can speak to me a thousand different ways about a thousand different things. And the moment that you don't prove it with your actions, I start to question everything that you've said. That's just part of our human nature. But there's also a flip side to that that we can talk to people and we can be unsure about them and the way that they communicate isn't the way that we communicate and it, it throws things off. But the moment they step up in a crucial, crucial situation, the moment they do something that, that nobody else would do, the moment that they spend time or resources or, or the way that they treat someone is, is different. When we see Jesus in the way that somebody asks, acts, we we give them the benefit of the doubt in everything else because actions speak so much louder than just words. And as followers of Christ, I think that there is something that we have to be so, so aware of is that the moment that we publicly claim to follow Jesus, the moment that we step into that amazing season of our life and we say, man, Jesus is my Lord and Savior and I'm following him and I'm not ashamed of that and I want every single person to know that, there's something that comes along with that, that people will look at our lives and they will say, prove it. Because not very many people look at Jesus and say, no, I don't agree with what Jesus did. Like they might not fully believe that he was God, but they can look at the way that he loved people and the way that he treated people and the way that, that he preached this gospel of love and acceptance and grace. And they can say, no, I can get on board with that. And if we can be even just a glimpse of that to someone, maybe they would step in 
and have a deeper conversation about who God is, not just a man, not just a, a rabbi, but the savior of the world. And then another way is that we have to be Jesus in the way we think. Jesus in the way that we think. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5 say, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When we talk, or when we take our mind captive, we choose that which we think about. And that seems like a simple phrase, but when we take our mind captive, we choose that which we think about, not just what falls into it. And there has to be some intentional training of our mind. If left unattended, it will become a catch-all that leads us to a place that we do not want to go. And I think a statement that is important for us to hear is if your mind is willing to go to certain places, your body, your body may not be far behind. If your mind is willing to go to certain places, your body may not be far behind. You see, if, you're, if your mind is willing to, to go to that unhealthy place of lust or your mind is willing to go to that unhealthy place of hatred or gossip or, or whatever it may be, our physical posture and the things that we actually do tangibly, tangibly in our lives probably aren't that far behind. Because if you are willing to sleep with that guy or you are willing to sleep with that girl in your mind, if the opportunity arises, you might just do that. That's not saying that you will 100%, but if your mind is willing to go there, you need to, I need to, we need to make so, so sure that we kill that there so that when that opportunity did come, we can confidently pass and we can confidently step into what Jesus would have for us, not just what our earthly desires would have for us. So how do we train our mind? Number one, set your mind on things above. Simply put, when we focus on proper things, inappropriate things are less likely to creep in. Make up your mind ahead of time. One of the things I talked about on Tuesday was the fact that I love to gossip, and it's always been a, a really, really hard thing for me since I was in middle school, is that I love talking about people when they're not there. And I love to know everything that's going on in everyone else's life. And uh, I'll ask them to their face, but if I can get the information sooner from someone else, I would take it in a heartbeat. And it's something that, that I've had to work on intentionally for a really, really long time. And something that is that has changed the way that I do this is this simple idea of making up my mind ahead of time not to enter into those conversations and walking into a conversation with someone who might have information that I want about someone else, but saying, no, this conversation is not about that. This conversation is about looking this person in the eye and seeing how they are doing and seeing how life is going for them and seeing where they're at with Jesus and praying for them. This conversation is not for me to find out any information about anyone else. And it was absolutely life-changing for me when I started to have those conversations with myself before I walked into a conversation and praying about it and saying, like, God, Lord, would you just, like, help me avoid that? And there were opportunities in those, in those conversations. Some, somebody would, would freely start giving information, and I, and I would have to say, you know what? That's something that I'll, that I'll talk to them about. That's something that I don't necessarily need to know right now. 
And I left those conversations confident in my ability to love people well, not feeling guilty. <laughs> and that is an amazing feeling, leaving a conversation going like, no, I'm, I'm confident that that was beneficial and that was healthy and that was conducive to the health and the moral well-being of both of us. Because if we walked into gossip, that would not be conducive or healthy for the moral well-being of each, either of us. And so we need to make, make up our mind ahead of time how we are going to act, what we are going to allow to, to creep into our mind. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, when we make up our mind beforehand, we do incredible things. And, and when we become people that God wants us to be, and we think like people that God wants us to think like. And in that verse is the second pointer, is that we need to renew our mind. We need to spend time in God's word. We need to spend time in a healthy, Christ-centered community. We need to make sure that the things that we are spending time on, the things we are investing our time in, are good, that they refresh us, that they bring us clarity, that they bring us healthy thoughts. All of us know what it's like to be in an unhealthy thought life, and it's not a good place to be. But when we're intentional about renewing our mind and putting ourselves in situations where we are being refreshed and renewed, our mind becomes so much more capable of handling the things that the enemy would throw at us. And the fact of the matter is this, is where we invest our time will be directly reflected in our thought life. If we invest our time in good things, our thought life will be in a good place. If we invest our time thinking about unhealthy things, our thought life will simply become unhealthy. And then lastly, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 it says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ Jesus is revealed it is coming. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. So the third point on how we train our mind would be this. Avoid mind laziness. You see, when we're physically lazy, we are unprepared for some things that life may throw our way. And when we're mentally lazy, the same thing applies. If we are not alert, if we are not ready, we will not be prepared for what the enemy throws at us, what a relationship throws at us, what a situation throws at us. And we want to make sure that our minds are fully alert and fully sober. We need to be prepared for those things. So how do we train our mind? We set our mind on things above. We, re we spend time renewing our mind, refreshing our mind. And we need to avoid mind laziness being alert and fully sober. I want to end uh, with 1 Peter chapter 4 out of the message. And the, this statement of Jesus and everything is a really interesting one. And um, like we said at the very beginning, it goes in so many different ways, but 1 Peter chapter 4 is, is a really cool statement on just this, this basic idea of what it means to follow Jesus. And it's this encouragement and kind of speech that, that Peter makes, and uh, I absolutely love it. And so uh, what I would love is wherever you're at, maybe just becoming still, taking two minutes, and just like allowing these words to, to enter your mind. And so this is First Peter 4 out of the message. 
And it says this. Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Think of your sufferings as a weaning from the old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. You've already put in your time in that God-ignorant way of life, partying night after night, a drunken and profligate life. Now it's time to be done with it for good. Of course, your old friends don't understand why you don't join in with the old gang anymore, but you don't have to give an account to them. They're the ones who will be called on the carpet and before God himself. Listen to the message. It was preached to those believers who are now dead, and yet even though they die, just as all people must, they will still get in on the life that God has given in Jesus. Everything in the world is about to be wrapped up, so take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, cheerfully. Be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so all get in on it. If words, let it be God's words. If help, let it be God's hearty help. That way God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus, and he'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything. Encores to the end of time. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. If you're abused because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. It's the Spirit of God and His glory in you that brought you to the notice of others. If they're on you because you broke the law or disturbed the peace, that's a different matter. But if it's because you're a Christian, don't give it a second thought. Be proud of the distinguished status reflected in that name. So if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, take it in stride. Trust Him. He knows what He's doing, and He'll keep on doing it. Thanks for joining with us uh, on the College Age Movement podcast again. We will talk to you guys really, really soon.